they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July the 14th. And let us open in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray, pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. We ask the angels to join us here and give us light. Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncelia terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, hosanna in excelsis. We also ask for the light of the Holy Spirit. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So suffering, suffering, what is it all about? What does the scripture have to teach us about suffering? And we know that when God created the world in the beginning, God created a perfect paradise for man. Um, and man sinned. He was tricked by the devil. And in the catechism, the church teaches us, and we know this from the scriptures, what happened was man let his trust in God die in his heart. So he let his trust in God die. And when he did that, he decided that he would get to heaven on his own. Just like Satan, Satan had decided to rebel against God. I will not serve. I don't like God's plan. I want to do it my way. Be very, very careful when we choose to do things our own way. You know, I want to do it my way, my way, my way. Well, my way or the highway. You know, this is a problem. This is called pride. And we are not God. We cannot speak the word and happen. Let make it happen. You know, God created. Only God can create. He makes everything out of nothing. There's this story told about the man who tells God, look, God, I could make my own world. And God says, really? Okay, go ahead and try. So the guy goes and he gets some dirt and he starts, make, he starts making things, putting things together, building something. And God says, wait a minute. Get your own dirt. <laughs> God spoke the word and it happened because God is God and we are not, and there is no other God. So we don't want to let our trust in God die in our heart. 
But suffering can really shake us. As a matter of fact, after the Last Supper, when they were going out into the garden, Jesus said to his apostles, All of you will have your faith in me shaken this night, for I will strike at the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Jesus was going to surrender himself to death, and the apostles did not understand this beforehand. They weren't totally cognizant of what was going on. They really didn't understand that he was truly going to surrender himself unto death. And so I will strike at the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But Jesus had told them many times, you know, I didn't come to do my own will. I came to do the will of him who sent me. Um, He gave clear indication that um, he was going to have to suffer. The son of man will be rejected by men. And he also told the apostles, he said, you know, if they loved me, they will love you too. But if they hated me, they will hate you also. If they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So whatever I have suffered, you're going to suffer. Well, what's going on here? God made this perfect world. Man sinned. Oops, enter sin, enter what? Enter death and suffering. God didn't make death and suffering. But God, being God, he doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't just leave us to our own natural devices and say, fine, you sinned, you turned your back on me. Then you can have a natural life and a natural being and you don't have to have supernatural life with me. No, he desires, he made us so that he, because he desires us to share in his life. God made us in his own image, in the divine image he made us. Male and female he made us. And when we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, it destroyed the image of God in us. And Jesus comes to restore that, to recapitulate all things in himself, to restore the image of God in us. In number 572 of the Catechism, it reads like this. The church remains faithful to the interpretation of all the scriptures that Jesus gave both before and after his Passover. Remember, Jesus gives interpretation of scripture. He tells us what certain passages mean. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Luke 24, 26 through 27 and 44 through 45. Remember on the road to Amos. And, you know, we thought he was the savior of of Israel. And here now they crucified him and he died and. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and so enter into his glory? Jesus's suffering took their historical concrete form from the fact that he was rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes who handed him to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified. Mark 8, 31, Matthew 20. 19. And Jesus had predicted his suffering several times in the gospel. He told his apostles he was going to have to suffer. And yet when the moment came, they were scandalized. They ran away and hid. They were afraid. So this suffering, well, first of all, the suffering is, it's a consequence of sin. If we, we looked to the, 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 um, got the wrong book there. <laughs> In, in Romans 5, and you all will probably get there before me if you've got your scriptures out because we're doing Bible study here. Romans 5, 
12. Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all men because all men sinned, sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. So death reigned from Adam to Moses over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam. Excuse me. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. So we have sin. Ah, but what does God do? Romans 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one's man trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift in grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. For salvation. Christ brings us salvation. So this suffering comes because of, of, um, because of sin. It's, it's not a pretty world we live in. We live in a sinful world. No, God didn't stop the sin. And that might be a big question a lot of people have. Why wouldn't God stop Adam and Eve from sinning? Well, because God wants us to love him freely. Bishop Sheen once said, you know, God could have created, theoretically, God could have created a universe of automatons. Robots don't love you. Animals, by the way, don't love you. But automatons don't love. In order to love, you have to choose freely to love. You can't be coerced. You can't be forced. You can't be threatened. You have to freely choose it. And God loves us freely. And so because we're made in his image, he wants us to love freely, which means we have to prove our love by being tested and Adam and Eve were tested. They were given a command. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, if God tells you not to eat from it, don't even go there. We call it avoiding the near occasion of sin. So avoid the near occasion of sin. We have to keep the Ten Commandments. Adam and Eve failed that test. And, you know, everybody, well, if only Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, then the world, well, you know what? We're all sinners. And there was only one who perfectly cooperated with only one purely human being who perfectly cooperated with God's grace. And that was the blessed Virgin Mary. Okay. The rest of us have all sinned, but the sufferings, although they are a consequence of sin, Paul writes in Romans eight eighteen, I consider the sufferings of this present time, not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. There's a glory waiting for us. If we suffer with Christ, we shall share in his glory. We're coming up against a break here. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio on this Friday, July the 14th. I ask you to invite all your family and friends to tune in right now Share that app with everyone. Share our, our Rumble, our Facebook page, our um, all the Twitter accounts. The, um, and don't go away. We'll be right back with more on suffering and what the Scripture teaches us on the meaning of our suffering. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July the 14th, 2023. And Terry's not with me in studio today. But uh, we're talking about suffering and, uh, and its meaning. Is there a purpose for all this suffering? And again, suffering came as an intrusion. And that's, you know, if you read John Paul II's Theology of the Body, and I, I highly recommend Michael Veldstein's translation, um, but he goes back to the beginning, always to the beginning. What did God make in the beginning? And God made this perfect paradise for man to live in, and man sinned. <laughs> And so he, he, turned his, he turned his back on God, but God didn't abandon him. God promised a redeemer. And he sent his own son. First of all, the sin that man had committed was an infinite offense against God because God is infinitely good. God is good. He is only good. He is always good. And he is infinitely good. So every offense is infinitely offensive. Only God could pay the price to God for the offense that had been committed. We could say we were sorry. We could own up to the fact that we had messed up and we had rejected him. But we couldn't pay back to God what was owed to him. So because God is a trinity of persons, he's not a solitude unto himself. Because he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from all eternity, a community of love and life. His only son became man so that he could redeem all of our nature, that everything that had fallen out of God's grace, everything that had been distorted could be redeemed, recapitulated and brought back to God. It's all brought back to God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so in Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. And we ask the Lord to keep us faithful and to help to offer our sufferings. So all this suffering came as an intrusion. But now the suffering can become, it's redeemed in Christ Jesus. So it takes on a new meaning. And what, what is that meaning? Well, we have here the reality that suffering can bring about sanctification. What? Where do we read that? Where is that in the scriptures? Well, let's, let's take a look at Romans here, okay? Again, in the, the letter of Paul to the Romans, which this is God's holy word. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle Paul. Um, he, Romans 5, and he says that um, through Christ, we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our suffering. Yes, he says, we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So our suffering purifies us and it helps us to overcome our sinful nature. We have concupiscence. And it's funny because um, G.K. Chesterton once quipped or wrote, uh, the only empirically provable Roman Catholic dogma 
is original sin (laughs) because we see its effects in ourselves all the time. And Paul talks about it too in his letter to the Romans where, you know, what is this war going on within me where I want to do good, but I don't do it. And I even will to do good and I can't accomplish it. And my flesh militates against my spirit. My spirit militates against my flesh. And who's going to save me from this? Well, Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he gives us because he gives us the grace to rise above and to overcome sin. In the letter of James, we read in one James, it, well, excuse me, there's only one letter of James, James, first chapter, in the first chapter of James, verse two, count it all joy, count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So, we, we have this joy, joy in the Lord. Christ suffered. And joy doesn't mean I feel happy about it. Joy doesn't mean I like it necessarily. But joy means that I acknowledge. I acknowledge that there's a deeper purpose. And I don't lose my peace. I don't despair. I don't give up my hope. I trust that in my sufferings, God is in the midst of these sufferings that he comes to me in the midst of the sufferings, that Christ himself has suffered. And because he has suffered, he's the firstborn of many brethren, and he suffered, and he suffered with us, and he suffers, you know, his, his suffering brings to us um, we have, in, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it brings to us the knowledge that God is not abandoning us. Despite our sin, despite our wickedness, God so much is with us that God became incarnate. And now he dwells in us through grace. And in the Eucharist, he remains present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, and his risen, ascended, glorified state under the appearance of bread and wine. But in Catechism 599, we read, Jesus's violent death was not the result of chance in an unfortunate coincidence of circumstance but it is part of the mystery of God's plan. How do we know that? Well, St. Peter explains to the Jews of Jerusalem in his first sermon on Pentecost, this Jesus was delivered up according to the definitive plan and foreknowledge of God. See Acts 2.23. Remember Peter's speech? This biblical language does not mean that those who handed him over were merely passive players in a scenario written in advance by God. We are called to live according to God's law. We're called to accept God's grace and mercy, but God leaves us free. We have to freely choose to give up our own sins. Of the 12 apostles, it became evident that one of them, the one who betrayed him, Judas, Jesus said it would have been better for him if he had never been born. Jesus didn't force Judas. He begged him. Even in the garden, he said, friend, why have you come? I'm not angry with you, Judas. I don't hate you, Judas. Repent of this sin. I want to save you. And that's what we have to do. We have to accept his mercy. We have to trust in his mercy and love and accept that his mercy is is going to transform us. Even our sinfulness. Is it Philippians? Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not deem equality with God a thing to be grasped but rather he emptied himself and took the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of human men, 
He was known to be human in a state, and it was thus that he humbled himself, obediently accepting even death, death on a cross. We were supposed to have this mind in us that was in Christ Jesus. And I don't know if it's Philippians. I'm, I'm, maybe it's Philippians. I don't know. It's Ephesians. I'm, I'm looking at Ephesians here and I don't see it. But the point of it is, is that we are supposed to imitate Christ. And it's interesting. Do we really believe, do we really have faith that by our baptism, we are one with Christ? Well, if we doubt it, um, we have this reality, don't we? When Paul was struck to the ground on his way to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus, Paul, Saul of Tarsus, was on his way to Damascus to arrest anyone he found living by the new way, any Christian, and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial and maybe even death. And he's knocked to the ground. He sees a great light. And the voice says to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he says, who are you, sir? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So Jesus identifies himself with us. When we suffer, we are identified. We make, we become to look like him. We become one with him in his suffering and his death. And, and so our suffering too has meaning. It can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. And this is all through the letters of Paul all through the letters of Paul. You can read Paul's letters carefully and you, you begin to realize and recognize this. The early Christians recognized and they rejoiced in their sufferings. They rejoiced in going to martyrdom because they knew that they were suffering in union with Christ and that their sufferings had meaning to give other people strength to bear their crosses and, and to, to be built up, that they were being sanctified through their suffering. And through that sanctification, they would become channels of grace to others. You know, God isn't stingy. He, he doesn't say, oh, all the glory goes to me. And he shares his glory with us, as Paul pointed out in Romans. You know, we, we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God, that God himself will share his glory with us. It's awesome. It's amazing what God wants to do. And he wants us all to be a part of this life. He wants us all to know that all of our sufferings have meaning so that when we are suffering, no matter what the suffering is, no matter how great, no matter how small, it can all be united to Jesus. Suffering can also be a test of faith. Remember Job in the Old Testament. And God says to Satan, he says, have you seen my servant Job, how faithful he is? Oh yeah, well, Job's faithful because you've blessed him so much. Take away all the blessings and see what happens. And God said, okay, you can take away the blessings, but you can't touch his person. So Job loses his flocks, he loses his wealth, and then he loses his children all in one day. And what does Job say? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. As it has pleased the Lord, so has it been done. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We accept good things from God. Should we not also accept evil? So when God gives us suffering, he wants us to trust in him. So it can become a test of faith. Do we trust God? Do we trust him that he will bring forth good from this suffering? And Paul will tell, tell us in Colossians 1.24, I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. 
I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for his sake of, the, of his body, the church. How could he possibly say something is lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Jesus Christ is the God-man. He offers the perfect sacrifice. He offers the perfect act of adoration, the perfect act of um, the, the, the forms of prayer, adoration, um, petition, thanksgiving, and reparation, to adore God, to thank him for all his blessings, to make reparation for sin, and to petition him for the needs that we have, especially the need for grace, the need to be sanctified, the need to grow in his mercy and love, and to know him, to love him, and to serve him on this earth, and to be faithful, to persevere until the end. And Paul says, I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Yes, because all of us have to choose Christ, and God gives sufficient grace to everyone to be saved. But we can gain graces for others also. And this is because we can share in Christ's work. I hear that music again. I want to thank you all for joining us. Please share this. Let you know, have your friends and family join us. Take a look at these scripture passages. Go deeper. There's so many here today. I can't get to all of them. But we'll do the best we can to cover as much scripture as we can. So we begin to understand that our suffering has meaning in union with Jesus Christ. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July the 14th. And I am live. I am in studio today. <laughs> so here I am again. So um, we're looking at suffering and its meaning. And what in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 2, Paul writes, and I do believe Paul is the author of Hebrews. So... Um, I'm not going to go into the reasons why, but that's okay. It, it, there's debate about that. That's not a definitive statement. I'm not the church, so it, it's all good. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through suffering. The author of Hebrews is telling us it was fitting that God should make the pioneer of our salvation perfect through suffering. And of course, when he was perfected, he becomes the source of salvation for all of us. And that's what was imperfect in Christ. Well, you know, his humanity was still humanity. It wasn't the fallen humanity. But nonetheless, because he took a human nature, his human nature has that infinite capacity for growing in, you know, he grew in wisdom and age and grace, continually grew in wisdom and age and grace because his human, his human, his human soul, his human body had that capacity um, yeah, he's a divine person um, who took to himself a human nature. So even though we had died through our sins, Christ comes and he redeems us and he redeems us through suffering. And, you know, Jesus in the gospel, he told his apostles, he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. The man who saves his life in this world will lose it. Well, the man who loses his life in this world will find it. Come to me, all you who labor and find life burdensome, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
What did Jesus teach in the Beatitudes? I mean, the Beatitudes are beautiful, all of them, but he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so men persecuted the prophets who went before them. Jesus didn't come to do away with the law and the prophets. He came to fulfill them. What does it say in Sirach 2.1? It says, when you come before the Lord, my son, or my child, depending on the translation you look at, prepare yourself for suffering. Prepare yourself for trials. Prepare yourself for temptations. You will suffer when you come before the Lord. When you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to suffer. Um, have you read Isaiah 53? Where we have the suffering servant psalm of the Old Testament where the, the, the prophecy of um, Christ's suffering, he suffered. He was going to suffer. And what was going to happen with that suffering? What was the purpose of that suffering? Well, my goodness gracious. And this is what we have to realize that this isn't just about Jesus. Jesus makes it about us because he came to save us, right? Um, he says, he was despised and rejected by men. Remember, who, this Isaiah 53, who had believed, who has believed what we have heard? Or to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root on the dry ground. He had no form or comeliness that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that made us whole. And with his stripes, we are healed. We all like sheep had gone astray. We had turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And it goes on and it goes on. And so we read in the New Testament in, um, in Peter, also in James, but in 1 Peter, he talks about suffering and how should we suffer? How is this? How are we supposed to bear this suffering? And it's in 1 Peter here. Let's see here. No, that's not. Oh, 1 Peter 3. I do that. I'm sorry. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the first verse. I'm supposed to be looking at the third, verse, the third chapter of Peter, verse 14. I'm sorry. So um, he says in verse 14, But even if we do suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear then, nor trouble. But in your hearts reverence Christ as Lord. Okay? Um, so we might suffer for, for, for doing what's right. We might suffer for doing what's right. Now, he does say elsewhere, if you suffer for doing what's wrong, well, don't complain about it since um, it says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same thought. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased to sin. That's Peter, the fourth chapter of Peter, verse one. Okay. And elsewhere, I know 
Peter mentions that even, but if you suffer for doing what's wrong, what, what, you know, you have that coming. So if we do what's wrong, we should be punished. We, we did something wrong, we should be punished. And that's something we don't like to acknowledge. We like to think we can get away with anything and we don't deserve to be punished, but it's not true. And then Peter goes on, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. God promises us heaven if we offer our sufferings in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. So we want to suffer all of our adversities. We want to offer everything and resist the devil. If we resist him, he will take flight. We want to resist sin. We want to resist um, anything that would offend God, anything that would offend God. So I was trying to find that verse where Peter talks about, um, you know, and James does also in, in the letter of James, maybe it's in James 5, 13, where he talks about, um, you know, if you, if you suffer for doing what's wrong, well, you have it coming, so bear it graciously. But if you suffer for doing what's right, then you will have a reward. There's a reward for that. Let's see what James 5, 13, let's see if that's the verse I was looking for. Is anyone, no, he says, if anyone among you is suffering, let him pray. So if we're suffering, we're supposed to pray. And we're also, by the way, if anyone is sick, he says, call for the elders to come and anoint him. And, you know, sometimes when we are anointed with um, the sacrament, the sacrament of anointing, people recover. That doesn't mean we're always going to recover, but it's, it's, it's a sacrament of strengthening, to strengthen us to bear our sufferings in a manner that's pleasing to God, a manner that will um, bring glory to God and bring salvation to us also so that our sufferings aren't lost. You know, it, Bishop Sheen talked about, um, he talked about our hospitals being like uh, spiritual nuclear power plants. What did he mean? Um, we can offer all of our sufferings in union with Jesus. And scripture makes that very clear. And that's what the passages that I've read so far show us. We offer our sufferings. When we suffer, we offer those in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. Like Paul says in Colossians, I fill up, what is it? I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. And so all of our suffering has meaning. And we can offer that all up. And we can also offer, when we suffer for doing what's wrong, we can offer that in reparation for doing what's wrong. It's in, it's in 1 Peter um, uh, what verse 2, 18, I think, and following. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to the kind and the gentle, but also to the overbearing. For one is approved if mindful of God, one is approved if mindful of God, he endures pain while suffering unjustly. One is approved if, with God in mind, he endures pain while suffering unjustly. And then Peter goes wrong. What credit is it if, when you do wrong and are beaten for it, to take it patiently? So we should, he's saying you should take it patiently when you do wrong and you're caught. You know, and how many times? Yeah, you caught me. And instead of saying, oh, no, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Somebody else, they made me do it. You know, no, no, no. Just be honest and humble. And you know what? Yeah, I did something wrong. You caught me. I'm sorry. It was wrong. 
And um, I need to try not to do that again. I will strive not to do that again. But if when you do right and suffer for it, you take it patiently, you have God's approval. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We're supposed to follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. And this is the early Christians. And we have to rediscover early Christianity in the sense of this willingness to suffer, this willingness to give up the things of this world, this willingness to, to act like I own nothing, that everything I have belongs to God and I give it to the service of the poor without impoverishing myself, Paul says, but your, your giving shouldn't impoverish you, but you should serve the poor. And we should give. If we have more than we need of this world's goods, it means that we're there, that's there for us to serve the poor. And we're supposed to follow Christ and be like Christ. And he suffered. Jesus suffered. And he didn't just suffer in his passion at the end of his life. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The foxes have dens and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He suffered from the cold and the heat. He walked many, many miles. He traveled all over Judea and Galilee. And he preached continuously. He was hungry. He fasted in the desert for 40 days. He went without food and water. He suffered. He suffered. So we're coming up against a break again. So we want to um, remember that suffering has meaning, that all our sufferings can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world, and that by doing this, we participate in the self-effort work of Christ. And this is a gift from God. So don't go away. We'll be right back. And tell all your friends and families to listen to this program. Share it with everybody. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, July the 14th. Before we end the program, I certainly want to thank all of our benefactors, all of those who volunteer to help us, all of our staff, our um, technical support team, and um, all of our radio hosts. I want to thank all those who listen. I want to sh- thank all of those who share this um, program with others because that's how we get the word out is that you share it. You listen, you hear it, you, you like what you hear, you share it with others, um, all of our programs. And then um, I want to thank the radio stations that pick us up. I want to thank the, um, the social media platforms that have us on there. So you can go to Rumble, you can go to, I believe we have a Twitter, um, YouTube. There's, um, you also have YouTube. If there's the Full Sheen Ahead channel, please remember to listen to the Full Sheen Ahead channel on YouTube. We have um, Facebook. We have our own website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. It's all one word, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And you can find that and you can listen to us. You can listen to the podcasts on there. Or you can download the app on your phone and have that with you and um, share it with your family and friends. Share it wherever you go. Share it at work. Share it when you're traveling. Uh, let people know. I mean, just nonchalantly listen to one of the podcasts and, uh, you know, kind of share it with the people around you by turning the volume up just a little. You know, I, we constantly have the world imposing itself on us. We go into grocery stores and we're bombarded by worldly music. By It's actually tempting in many, many instances. It's actually... Um, very, very uh, seductive, and um, it, it's not bringing us closer to God. 
And it's, we're bombarded with it. You, can't, you practically can't get away from it. Everywhere you go, you go into a doctor's office, they have these TVs and they're watching that. What's on the television is horrible. It's, it's, sometimes it's actually demonic. And, and yet we're, we are Christians are ashamed to you know, share our podcasts. So let's not be ashamed anymore. Let's be bold and ask the Lord for the courage and the strength. And that's this suffering. This, yeah, it might bring a little persecution on us today. Today, by the way, is the Feast of Blessed uh, Kateri. Some pe- people say Kateri. Tekakwitha, she was um, uh, a Mohawk princess, actually. Her father was the chief of the Turtle Clan. Her mother was a Heron Indian. Her mother, Heron, Heron? Heron Indian from upstate New York, and she was captured by the Mohawks, and and then she was made the bride of the chief. He asked her. He asked her, and she freely became his bride. And um, they had two children. They had Kateri and a little brother, and then smallpox hit their village, and Kateri's mother, Kateri's father, and her brother all died in the smallpox epidemic. Kateri survived it, but she was badly, badly scarred from the smallpox, and her eyes were very, very badly injured. She, the sunlight hurt her eyes, and it made it very difficult for her to go outside and work. But she still worked. She still, and her mother had taught her some of her, you know, her Christian faith before her mother died. And there was another Christian woman in the village, Anastasia, who continued to teach Kateri. And then um, as Kateri grew, she eventually had to leave. She had to run away from her people because her people were pagan and they had practices that she knew Christianity. She wanted to be follower of Christ. She wanted this, the peace and the, the joy of Christian, Christian living. And she knew she couldn't do that within her own home village. She was adopted by her uncle and her aunt, two of her aunts, I guess. And um, they had tried to force her into a marriage, but... Um, Marriage in the Indian village meant that every every man in the village wanted to marry a, a virgin, but once the virgin was married to him, then it was she was free game. They did wife swapping, which is offensive to God. It's offensive to the human person. It's a grave offense against the dignity of the human person made in God's image as a person to be loved, and it's very offensive to God. And so um, Kateri would have no part of it. She said, "No, this is not." And so she had to run away to um, Canada. She ran away to a village that the, the Jesuit missionaries had started a Christian village. And even there, she suffered persecution. So she suffered persecution at home. She suffered persecution when she went to the Christian village. And she, nonetheless, she offered all of this in union with Jesus. In, a, in addition to the physical suffering she had from the results of smallpox. And just to persevere in the midst of a pagan world. Yes, how many Christians have had to persevere in the midst of a pagan world? We're living in the midst of a pagan world. Let's not be ashamed to share our faith. Gateri wasn't ashamed to live her faith. She worked very, very hard. She, she never disappointed anyone in terms of the amount of work she accomplished, despite her weakness, her physical weakness, because she was scarred by smallpox. And yet, they didn't want her to be Christian. And so she had to run away and go somewhere where she could practice her Christian faith. And even there, she was persecuted by some of the Christian women who were jealous of her. So, you know, this happens. And, and that's life is full of sufferings. The suffering's not going to go away. What do we do with that? And that's the whole point of today's show. And that's why I, I wanted to find that that I talked about. We should have the mind of Christ. It is in Philippians, but it's not in the first chapter of Philippians. It's the second chapter. Uh, imitating Christ's humility. Have this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus, who though, who, though he was in the form of God, did not qua- count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took the form of a slave. And submitted. And you can go on to read that. He submitted himself to death because he was human. 
He had a human body. He took a human nature. He really had a human nature. The second person of the Blessed Trinity took to himself a human nature. He's one person, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, with two natures, a human and a divine nature. And in that human nature, he suffered. And so we imitate Christ in his sufferings. And by so doing, we, you know, we, we get to share in his glory. We're going to share in his glory. And Jesus, you know, he told his apostles, if, if the world had loved me, they would love you. But the world didn't. The world hated me. And so you will be hated. You know, um, brother will turn against brother. Uh, children will, will uh, turn against their parents and hand them over to death. You'll be hated by all on account of me, today's gospel. And I don't remember, um, I think it might be in Matthew, and I don't, but I don't remember what chapter. But Christ warns his followers, I didn't come to eradicate human suffering. Now, he doesn't say it in those words. <laughs> he shows you. <laughs> he came to suffer. But his suffering doesn't take away our need to suffer in union with him. And, and it's not, he, he can't, he's not going to take away the effects of original sin because he doesn't take away our freedom and in order to love, we have to choose freely to follow him. And so we want to follow Christ. We want to be in union with him. We do that by living the Ten Commandments, by uniting all of our sufferings to Christ. At Fatima, the angel taught the children, make of everything you do a sacrifice. Everything. Hey, by the way, your joys, your triumphs, you know, the, the, the good things in life. Jesus, this is, I offer this for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, in reparation for the sins committed against you that, are, that offend you, especially. And Jesus, they asked specifically at Fatima, the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Well, how can we make reparation? Yes, God made Mary, and he made her beautiful. She's his mother. And as, as um, someone, Bishop Sheen tells the story, someone once asked Whistler, you know, Whistler's mother, the, the painting, he said, well, did your mother really look like that? And he said, well, you know how it is with your mummy. You want to make her the best that you can. Well, God made his own mother. Mary carried the second person of the Blessed Trinity in her womb, who had united himself to a human nature, Jesus of Nazareth. And so the God-man, so she's truly the mother of God because mothers mother persons, not natures. And she's truly his mother. And that's and Jesus kept the fourth commandment. So he kept the commandment, thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. He kept it perfectly. He kept all the commandments perfectly. So he honors her and he bestows glory upon her. That takes nothing away from God. When we acknowledge the saints and the good that God has done in them, we're giving glory to God for what he can do for sinful man. Even though man had turned away from him, he calls on us continually again and again through the prophets. He taught us to hope for salvation. He shows us the way. Look to me. Come to me. Follow me. Keep my commandments. Be faithful. I am there. Call upon me. I will carry you. You know, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Though it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, I stooped and raised him to my cheek, yet he did not know me. And how, how often this is true. In the prologue to the Gospel of John, he came among his own people, and his own people did not receive him. Yet all who do receive him, he empowers to become the children of God. So we want to take all of our sufferings. We don't want to waste them 
Our suffering has meaning. All of those of you who are suffering, and please share this with family and friends who are suffering. All of our suffering has meaning. Our suffering can be offered in union with Jesus Christ to help redeem the world. Bishop Sheen had spoke about our hospitals becoming nuclear power plants. But what if those of us who don't have such sufferings just want to take it easy and live easy lives? Bishop Sheen has a true story about that. There was a, a woman that was in an iron lung. She suffered greatly, and she offered all of her sufferings for priests. And one day some seminarians were brought, told to go visit her. So she went to visit her. They went to visit her in the hospital. Only they're standing there before this woman in an iron lung who's suffering continuously. And they talked about how easy their life is going to be once they're ordained and how, how they're going to take it easy and they're going to have every, you know, their parish is going to support them and they don't have to worry about anything. And, and she just simply looked at them and she said, you have just increased my suffering exponentially. So it's not about looking at around us and say, oh, who's, who's the suffering soul who's going to do it, bear it for me? No, all of us need to bear our part, endure our share of the hardships which the gospel entails. And yes, that's a scripture passage. And as, as um, Paul in one of his letters says, somewhere in the scriptures it says, and I believe it might be in Hebrews. So for those of you who don't believe Paul is the author of Hebrews, there is a scripture book that says somewhere in scripture it says. <laughs> so somewhere in scripture it says, Endure your share of the hardships which the gospel entails. I believe it's in one of the, the letters of the New Testament. It might be the, apostol- the, the Catholic letters, the letter to Peter, Peter or James. So all of us have our part to play in building up the kingdom of God. And the biggest part of that is to give ourselves to God totally and freely in love and trust, perfect trust, my God, I believe in you. Increase thou my faith. I hope in you. Increase my hope. I trust you. Strengthen my trust. I love you. Let me love you more and more. My God, lend me your love with which to love you, that you may be loved as you deserve. Jesus, lend me your heart with which to love my neighbor, so that I can love my neighbor as you commanded. We are called to love, and we're called to love one another and to serve. We didn't. Jesus didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So we too are called to serve. Let us serve one another in the joy of the Lord. And we can ask the Lord for that joy. And when you're suffering, sometimes it's hard to feel the joy. But joy is not in the emotion. Joy is in the will. I will to take delight in the good that I see in God. I will to take delight in the good that I see in God and in the good in everything that he made. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers and on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for supporting us in all the ways that you do through suffering, through prayer, through your financial health, through your volunteer um, actions, and through letting others know that we're out here. And for the radio stations that pick us up, may God bless you and reward you and increase your listenership. And may all of us persevere into the end, Lord. Please grant us the grace of final perseverance. May we offer all of our sufferings in union with Jesus to help redeem the world, to bring about the building of the kingdom of God here on earth according to God's holy will. 